Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios of Relate365.com in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, Ministry of Silver Ranch on the campus here as we hang out and just have fun talking, making jabs at each other, talking about everything. Yeah, you know, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for somebody to call me and offer me a little side job. A side job? I want to be you're, the, the dot-com guy. I, 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 I want to say dot-com for somebody else. So I, you know, dot-com. I want to do that. But Wasn't there a dot com guy already? I don't know if there is, but but he's he's imitating me then because that's my name. It was like way back at like I don't the nineties, wasn't it? Oh <laughs> well, that could be. I'm maybe maybe it. I don't even want to be associated with that guy. I have no idea. I was <laughs> 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 You're redefining what the dot, yeah, dot, dot com guy is. I am the dot com guy, not the other guy. So whatever. So if you have a side job out there where you need a dot com guy, I'm your man. There you go. It's kind of like the the voice who does the movie trailers. Long ago, in a land far, far away. They have movie trailers? Where do they pull them with? How did I know you were going to say that? I don't know. I don't get what you mean. Anyway, let me. last time we were together, uh, we were talking. We're together quite a bit. So. Yes, but last time on the program, we on were the talking prog- oh, okay, gotcha. about news items and how half-truths and sometimes predetermined answers get us in trouble. And That's right. And, and if and, they miss that, where can people go find them? They can go to relate 365 Dot com. Oh, yeah, that was okay, but not bit, don't hire him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the dot-com guy. Sorry. I tried doing it like in style yeah, I know. like you do, but I you know. just you, do it naturally. I yeah, I know. It, it, and if you have a little bit of a head cold or something, it can really get down there. Yeah, because you got that low voice that people fall asleep to. Oh, I know. And if, if I do have a, a little stuffy head, it can help because I can go. I go way down. It reminds me of the guy that used to sing for the Gaithers. And maybe he still does. I forget yeah. his name. But he had like, wow, was it low. Yeah, I love listening to that, by the way. I keep yeah. thinking, too bad I didn't study music because I'd love to do that. But Yeah. Anyway, there's another article that I'd love to uh, get your response to. Uh, you went to college in Minneapolis. Correct? I did, yep. Did you uh, do any uh, grad work? I did not. Okay. So I went to college at Wheaton, and then I did grad work in the University of Illinois. Okay. So I'm an Illinois-educated person. You're a Minnesota-educated person in the upper echelons of education, I guess. Echelons. Echelon. Look, look at you. Don't ask me to spell words. I that, just get to use That was a flex them. right there. It was. I, I know I might have confused you, but you'll have to look that up. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me give you what the Christopher Vondrasak said at the, Chicago, at the Washington Times on December 10th. He said this. A new national survey finds that college applications have declined 22% since 2019 as students show lagging interest in higher education during the pandemic. The National Student Clearinghouse Research Center information from more than 2,000 high school schools for the report released Thursday showing a 21.7 decline in applications from high school seniors with even more drastically lower levels of interest from poor, urban, and minority students. Nearly one-third of low-income minority and urban high school graduates who have gone to college in previous years stayed home this year, said Doug Shapiro, executive director of the Research Center. So what we're seeing is that there's a, a response that isn't overly positive to college during this pandemic. Yeah. That may be true across the board for other things, too. Yeah. 
What do you think? What behaviors and why? Do you think this is a good idea for kids to go to college, not go to college? And what do you think is influencing this number? This, you know, this is significant. 22% about. That's, that's almost a quarter. Yeah, you get. That's that's, almost, that's that is lot. very significant. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So what do you think? You know, I, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, and, and there might be some, some opinions that I might have that go into that, but, you know, I, I mean, in general, I would say like, given that it's a pandemic year, you know, my first reaction is I could see that. Right. And the reason being, it's like, well, knowing how expensive college is, which is a discussion of in and of itself. Yes, it is. Um, why would I want to pay that to sit at home on a computer to do that? Right. You know, like when I think back on my college experience, you know, there's a lot that goes with it, even beyond just the educational standpoint. Yeah. You know, that that's a learning curve. You learn how to live alongside of people when you live on campus. You know, you you go to classes and and there's that whole dynamic and you strip all of that away and yet still charge the same price tag. To me, it's like, all right, that makes sense. I wouldn't do that. Right. You know, but then you take it a step further. You know, and you look at, at the, at jobs nowadays, you know, and, and, and I don't know if it's necessarily as dependent on degrees as it once was. Right. You know, and so, I, like I said, there's, there's so many factors that we could dive into, but I think that there's a lot of evidence there. It says, you know what, there's, I could see where that trend is starting to show up. And, you know, at some point, you know, I, I feel like, I, and I know it like in culture, they, they compare the college system almost like the housing bubble. Yeah. And then at some point it's going to burst. Maybe this is the beginning of the burst that we're going to see. I don't yeah. know. You know, I think that people get to look at things differently during crises. Yeah. Um, I think in, during crisis, there's a lot of times where you get to appreciate your family more. Right. Uh, I think during the pandemic, we keep talking about the negatives and, and there were a lot and there are a lot, but there are also some positives. Yeah. There are families that have enjoyed being with each other and do things that they've never done before. Absolutely. There are also those who are using others and abusing others, and it's hurt them more. So I, I, there are both sides of it. Right. But we tend to focus on one side normally, whatever side we're trying to make a point of. But Absolutely. I, I do think there's some positives and there's some negatives. One of the positives for every generation during every crisis is a reevaluation process. Right. I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Yep. To look at things and say what's important in life. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, just perhaps, people are seeing that a four-year degree, that maybe the colleges have put some real effort into getting people there, and they don't need to be there. Right. And I know, you know, people look at me, you have a master's degree, you're a teacher, and you're saying they don't. No, I think there are some kids, and maybe a lot of them, yeah. that went to college because it was the next thing to do. Right. Oh, and I it's a agree. social thing to do. Yep. And the parents didn't know what to do, so you got to get out of the house. Yep. Uh, also, I think there's a, a certain amount of people that say, I'm a successful parent if you go to college and graduate. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you go. I don't care what field you're in. Right. But I will be a successful parent. So you go. I think it's good for the whole culture to back off a little bit and ask, why would I go to college? I fully agree. I think it's good on the college side for the college to ask, yeah. why do we have students? Is it really to fill our coffers? Is that the reason we have them? Right. Who's here in the faculty that is just just loves to teach and knows how to teach and wants to teach? 
See, those are questions I think that we would be remiss if we didn't ask because of the crisis that has happened. Right. Let's realign maybe the colleges to look at what they do and how they do it. Right. Maybe families need to realign and say, what do I really need? I personally would love to see us go back to an uh, apprentice system mm-hmm. in a lot of areas. Right. Um, and I think, that, I think that's a valid point because you look at a good, uh, and obviously this doesn't apply to all, you know, jobs in the workforce. You know, there are some that you need a degree. If you go to, if you're a doctor, I sure hope you went to school. Right. You know, um, now given there's some practical side of that too, but obviously you're going to have to do some book learning, you know, but there, there's a lot in the trades, you know, that are just that, that, that are more experiential based. Right. You know, and I feel like that that's even partnered a little bit with what you see in the church, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, I, I, most recently, even on social media, I saw somebody within my network of friends you know, just finished up their MDiv and he put it out there. He's like, you know, just want some advice. He's like, how do I, you know, pursue a pastoral job when nobody's willing to look at me because I can't get experience because every experience that is open to me is either volunteer or an unpaid internship, you know, and and that is the dilemma that I see is that there's been so much emphasis on the education that we've taken the emphasis off of you know, the apprentice idea that you're just talking about. Right. And I think you used the medical world as an illustration. I think they do it well, actually. I think after school, you're not a doctor. Right. You might have the degree, but you're not a doctor. Right. You're not a practicing licensed doctor. You have to go through a lot of time with another doctor. Right. And so if you're a surgeon, it's not like you read about it in a book, passed the test, now you're doing appendectomies. You're not doing that. Yeah. You're actually with a surgeon who does it. Yep. They're actually walking you through it, and they will watch you and guide you till you have experience. Yeah. So any surgeon you go to, I always ask them, is this your first operation? And they always laugh at me. <laughs> no. I, but I always say, you had to have a first one. Yeah. And I mean, you had to. Right. So I'm glad I'm not it, but I'm too bad to the guy that was. Right. You know what I mean? And, but see, what it shows is ignorance how they do things. Yeah. So if you're going to show me how to, you know, if I was a doctor, I'd be trained, and then I would be with another doctor doing it. Who knows how much he's letting me do at this point? Yeah. When does it become my surgery? You know, mm-hmm. but the doctor's still there that knows how to do it and has experience. That's really a good pattern, actually. Right. Uh, and if you don't c- cut it, excuse the pun. But I'm if, <laughs> if you don't cut it, you, you mm-hmm. usually, this other doctor won't let you pass. Yeah. You know, so it's not just head knowledge in, in medical school. You better know how to apply it. Right. Um, likewise, I think uh, in any field we, we say, you know, as a teacher, I went to college to learn to be a teacher. But more valuable was my student teaching experience mm-hmm. with an experienced teacher yeah. who gave me the opportunity to fail and make lesson plans and work with hard, hard kids and, and where he showed me, okay, I know your book says this, but this could just hit you in the forehead with a spitball. You know, here's how we have to deal with it, regardless of what your book said. Yeah. Here's how we deal with it. And those are valuable experiences Yeah, uh, for me. And I couldn't be a teacher without that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the church in general also needs to uh, rethink things. Yeah. Um, I have a personal bias. I I think that a a pastor, a lead pastor of a church should be older. Yeah. And I think, uh, of course, you know, everyone's saying you are older. That's why you think that way. Well, maybe. See, I couldn't think as an older guy when I was younger. Right. Well, and even as a younger guy, I would, I would, I would 
lean towards that. Yeah, because they're shepherdy. Right, and and they've been through more, mm-hmm. and have gained more wisdom through the the application of their biblical knowledge on real life. Right. You know, there's things you know, because you're sixty something. Right. That I'm don't know because I'm 35. Right. You know, not that we don't read the same Bible. It's just that you've been able to apply it more in life and see like, all right, here's something that I've been through. Right. You know, like a few years ago when, when we had our, you know, third boy right before Christmas and then all three boys at once got sick and my wife and I, you know, in the emotions of having a newborn, it's like, man, the world's going to end. Yep. And you came over, you and your wife, and you're like, you know what? It's going to be okay. Yeah. Why? Because you've been there and you've done that. Yep. And you knew that there was going to be another side and you were able to offer that hope. Yeah. You know, and that, and those are the situations that I think you're getting at. Absolutely. There, you know, um, people need to be in a situation where they're with people who have experienced what they would like to experience. Yeah. It's not that those people are perfect by any means. No. It's that they've already experienced it. Right. You know, I've already lived through where all of our parents, my wife's parents and mine have died. I know what it is to go through that. Yeah. You know, I know what it is to have a parent die suddenly of a heart attack. I know what it is to watch one die of strokes over 10 years. I know what it's like to watch one die of Parkinson's. I know what it's like to watch another one die suddenly. So our four parents died all differently, but it gave us an understanding of how to go through that. Yeah. Um, Life is very seasonal and you are in a season now. How old are your boys? Uh, they're seven, four, and three. Yeah. So right now you have the seven, four, three syndromes going on. I mean, that's, that's the right. season of life you're in. And there's going to be certain things that seven, four, and three-year-olds do that they'll never do when they're 21 and whatever the other ages are. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting to watch how the seasons change. And I always have laughed because it doesn't seem like God um, allows us to ever go through the same season twice. Hmm. So we're always looking to someone who's gone through the season to shed light on the season we're in because once we go through it, then we're seasoned, yeah. if you want to call it, yep. to that season. Yep. So, for example, before you got married, you were never married. Right. Now you're married. Yep. How many years are you married? Eight. Okay, you've been married eight years. There you go. So you... Before you were married, you would have no experience being married. You wouldn't know anything about being married. You could read books. You could talk to people. But it's a new season. Right, right. Same with being a parent. Being a kid. You have one kid. Never had a kid before. Yep. Okay, now we're experienced. But then you have two. See, yep. that's a different experience. Oh, yeah. And then you have three. Which then you is, have three. Then you're outnumbered. Which that's is totally another that's different right. experience. So in the process of having that, you become one who understands how to go through those seasons. Yeah. Knowing that you'll never go through them again. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you can do with what you've learned is pass it on. Right. And I think God made us that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think too much has been made of uh, classroom learning. Mm-hmm. I don't think you learn a lot in the classroom, honestly. I think there are some things you can learn in the classroom and maybe should. But I think we're missing the human element. We, yeah. We've tried to make it like Henry Ford, you know, he invented the assembly line. Yeah. He figured out how to make a lot of cars cheap. Yep. I think we've tried to educate a lot of people and keep the expense down. Hmm. And in that process... Well, I would, I would even argue that we'd even keep the expense well, down we're in not, some but, cases. Yeah. yeah, we're not, but I, I'm talking about time expense oh, more sure, than the sure. money expense. Gotcha, gotcha. Because, you know, if if I share with you in life and mentor you, yeah, 
maybe we could have a classroom where I could do it with 200. Yeah, I see what you're saying, yep. Well, I couldn't do with 200 what I do with you. Right. So that's not going to work. Right. Well, then I got to change how I teach. And then we wonder why they don't get it. Mm. Well, because there's a lot of mentorship that needs to take place in life regardless. See, God's set up for a family, so you're the main mentor for your children. Mm-hmm. You and your wife, main mentor for your children. And then there's other people in the village that, you know, whatever it might be. And we, that's how God made it. Mm-hmm. So you can go to all the classes you want, and the person that's teaching is always teaching from their own perspective and their own understanding and their own background. Maybe good, maybe not, maybe yeah. applicable, maybe not. You could probably pass the test, go home and have nothing change, and uh, that's trouble. So I think people that aren't going to college, I think they're, they're probably seeing that uh, maybe they were going for the wrong reason. Maybe the college has become too corporate and, and that kind of thing where they're sliding people through. Uh, maybe they can learn it somewhere else Yeah, in a more pleasant manner. Uh, maybe they don't have to go into college debt, and maybe both sides need to to rethink it. Right, and 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 I think that's true because even looking at my degree, did I enjoy it? Yes. Did I learn stuff? Yes. But where did I learn the most? By doing it. Right. You Absolutely. Know? And uh, there's, I think there's a lot of thought that just needs to go into it rather than just going. Yeah. Well, even as a teacher, you know, I used the illustration of a spitball or whatever. I mean, the first time you walk into a classroom as a teacher and some kid curses you out and he's 10 years old, your head is scrambling for what the textbook said to do. Right. Right. But you really want the principal to walk in. Yeah. So they can tell you, here's what we do. You know, I mean, there's two levels of learning. It's not that you don't know academically. It's that what is, you know, how does this work? And in the process, educationally goes so far. Now, I'm very biased, as you know. Obviously, we have a place here called Nicolay Bible Institute. Right. We actually host a... We have a one-year college. One-year college. But even during the pandemic, we were shut down in the, the spring semester for about half of it. Yeah. I think they went home for Easter. They went. They were on spring break. Yeah. Like most colleges, and yeah. then... Couldn't come back. Couldn't come back, yeah. So it was a, a month, maybe. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we, we end... And Our program, there's only like a month left anyway. Yeah, so. so we missed one month. And other than that, this year we decided we're going in person. You know, we just need to. Yep. And uh, really, God's protected us. It's been good. But there, there is something that's very important about being able to look at your professor, know them, live with them. We intentionally keep the numbers to a number that we can actually interact with. Right. Uh, I've been asked several times, don't you want this to just get big? And no, I don't. Actually, we've set the limit at like 30, 30 30-something maybe, because this is what we can service if we're going to do a good job. And the goal isn't just academic. The goal is every young person that comes to us is in a different spot. Mm -hmm. The goal is to allow God to use the circumstances of being here to move them to the next spot. And since they're all at different spots, that's really a little bit difficult to predetermine how to do that. So that's what we work on. And I would suggest to any young person, any parent listening, grandparent listening, you know somebody that is trying to make a decision about college, I'd be very careful. I would look at alternatives at this point because they could be out there. If, if your son or your daughter wants to go and be a welder, why not find a Christian welder and go ask him to teach him? Right. And I've often told young people when they come to me, go find somebody doing what you think God put you on this planet to do. Right. And just ask them, what do I need to do to get where you are? Yeah. 
Because if you ask me, I might tell you you need a degree. Right. You need, I don't know. They might tell you you need a degree. Mm-hmm. But that's not me telling you that right. at this point. Um, so Nicolay Bible Institute became a place where we actually work on something that everybody needs regardless of what they're doing in life. You need to work on relationships. Yep. You need to be able to understand who God is and enjoy him. You need to enjoy each other. You need to understand how to um, handle money. So we have some courses on that. We, we, we want you to learn how to die to yourself and serve. Mm-hmm. So we do that. Yeah. And then after you leave, we're hoping that your people that know God, enjoy God, enjoy each other, and make decisions based on your love for God and et cetera down the road, regardless of whether you're a plumber, president of the United States, whatever you go to. Yeah. Um, I think that's what, what we'd like to be able to do as a one-year kind of thing. Yeah. So, so I don't really call it, some call that a gap program. I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. I, and not because I would be mad at them. I'm just saying I, I wouldn't do it. Right. No, it makes sense. You know, and I think I think the important thing, as you know, you guys are listening out there. You know, I think it all depends on the context of your situation. Right. You know, I think that the thing that stuck out that you were just saying is is whatever interest you know your son or daughter has as they're thinking about what they want to do in life, have them talk to somebody within that realm of things. Right. Or even go tag along for a day. Right. You know, because um, there's so much value in that. I'd write. You know, if if my son was interested, say, in dentistry, for example. Right. You know, before he went to school, I'd be like, I'd try to find a dentist or a hygienist. I'd be like, you know what? Can my son come and tag along? Like, would you be okay if he could tag along for a day in, in the life of you guys and, right. and, and talk to you and observe, you know, and see even behind the scenes what you're doing? That way, before he even goes into how many years it is for dentistry, he can get a glimpse of, oh. Right. You know, as opposed to go through it and realize, oh. Yeah. You know, or or whatever it is. And maybe, you know, you don't know what you want to do. Well, then find a, a, a cheap or inexpensive alternative to kind of start the path. You know, right. whether it's something like Nicolay Bible Institute, you know, or even a community college where it's like, all right, I'm not breaking the bank, but I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do. Right. You know, I think part of our culture just dives into that university, big college scene both, and then by the time it's too late, they've racked up $40,000 in debt and they have, don't have anything to save for it. Yeah, don't you think it's because some of the kids want to live on their own and get out? Right. Well, get an apartment. Don't I, get an I, apartment. I mean, get it's an apartment cheap. and it's still cheaper than going to college. It is. And, and I would suggest, too, that you don't live alone. But at college, I don't have to get a job. Right. Yeah, well, that's irresponsible. You're, you're so, going to have to do it at some point. Yeah. You're either going to pay now or pay later. Very important that you understand that. I, I think it's important that you begin to spread your wings, but realize that God gave you parents to help you do it gradually. Right. There's, there's no reason that you have to jump in to a, a world and have no backup plan right. at this point. Right. And if you don't have that support system, that's where you can lean into to those around you that, that can help out with that. Right. You know, whether it's your local church, your local small group, you know, I'm sure there's people that'd be like, hey, you know what? I don't have this support system. Can you help me out with this and help me figure it out? I would ask you to ask this question to yourself because I think God has made each of us so uniquely different that it's hard for somebody to get into your head and say, here's what I would do if I were you. But here's what I would suggest you ask yourself this question. What would I do the rest of my life and enjoy and do it for nothing? Yeah. Just what would I do that? I, so for me, if you were to ask me that, I'm doing it. I love teaching. Right. I'm producing all these podcasts. I, love, I would do that for nothing. So it doesn't even feel like I'm working in life when I do these things. Right. 
And, and I would say, start there, because God made you a certain way. Now, if your answer is, I want to sleep on a beach in Tahiti and, and have people serve me, that isn't the right answer, and that isn't giftedness. That's using other people. <laughs> so get that one out of your head, and, and then go back to saying, what, if I would work, what would I do? Yeah. And I figured when I did that, I was a, a natural teacher. I loved teaching children, and I still do. Yep. And and so that's the area I spent my life in. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it shows. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's very important is to is to do that. You know, and 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 there's so much value in 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 trying to figure out what God has gifted you at. Yep. And 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 that's something you could start doing now, even before you get to be a junior or senior in high school. You know, you could start figuring out where God is leaning you and pushing you, and what gifts you have. So, do you never do things you're not gifted at? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So it's important because sometimes what people do is they, they go online, they take some tests, and they say, well, I'm not gifted at that, so I'm not doing it. Nobody has the gift of plunging the toilet. Right. You well, know, you just go do it. It's arguable. But I'm just yeah, kidding. well. <laughs> I'm just teasing. At, at our place, Dan might. But other than that, nobody has. Have, have, right. See, there are some things in life that are just sloppy that need to be done. Absolutely. That's servanthood. That's not giftedness. Right. And that's that's the key is yeah. being willing to do anything. I mean, that's – I mean – Eight years ago, I didn't know how to build anything. Right. But just being a part of being here, you know, now we're putting together sh- pirate ships and everything else. Yeah. Square, plumb, level, you learn three words, you can do a lot. That's right. You know, and, and that's part of the process is just being well, willing and open to learn and to go forward. Yeah. Well, I've had a lot of kids through the years ask me where I learn things. Yeah. Because I'll be outside and they'll say, something here in the woods that we're working on. And I'll say, well, you got to do it this way. And they go, where did you learn that? You're a teacher. Well, I grew up here. My Pretty much we had to do everything. Right. You know what I mean? Pretty much go cut the lawn. The lawnmower broke down. Take it apart, figure out why, put it back together. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? And you got to be willing to try. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I saw you cut a stack of papers with a bandsaw. Yeah. Cool, huh? You know, and I would have never, I would, in fact, I, I'm like, you realize there's, probably a better way to do this like yeah i know but we're gonna see if this works yeah you do know that that's the way my head works it was more like i wonder if that'll work i wonder because and you tried it because paper which i it, think is great yeah paper's made from wood yeah and these pads of paper were huge and i wanted want them smaller and you told me i knew the other we had a paper cutter for that yeah but i still had the adventure in me and i had to go over to the shop and which the i think is up. great <laughs> so so I learned you can, and it looks pretty good when you're done. It did. So, it did. I was impressed. Yeah. I, I was thinking it had the wrong blade on it because it has a rough cut blade on it, but oh, it still did it that was rather well. Yeah. Uh, those are the kind of things. I, I think one of the most valuable things that was passed on to me by the generation before me was go ahead and try. Hmm. And if you fail, okay, right. you did. Don't fail a second time the same way. Right. But the first failure I never got in trouble for and until this day, I like doing unusual things to try it. Right. And it's amazing what you learn. I mean, right now I know I could I could cut a huge stack of paper on that chain. Yeah. Uh, on that uh, bandsaw. Yeah. Don't be, don't listen to me. If you've never used a bandsaw ask, <laughs> and you're young, ask somebody. Don't be going there playing around with bandsaws. That's right. That's right. You can cut your fingers off just as easy. So. This is right. This is yeah. right. Well, hopefully this was an encouraging discussion. You know, if you have somebody in your life that is considering um, further education after high school or even if you're at that point as parents and how to direct, you know, I encourage you to to share this episode or even go back and re-listen to it. 
Uh, we only touched the iceberg on so many different topics, but it's something that you're going to have to face at some point. So head over to Relate365.com where you can uh, re-listen to this, check out some of the other podcasts that we have, or even go check out Nicolay Bible Institute um, if you're looking for just an alternative to learn how to serve and just uh, get that foundation before you go out. But uh, that's all the time we have. This is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.